best way to do life is to anchor oneself to the one who made us in his image, God Almighty. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we'll take a look at men and women who walked with God. We will look at how God scripted their stories and draw courage from how he wants to script ours. We hope you enjoy. All right, good morning, church. And good morning to those of you joining us online. It is good to be alive today, amen, and to have breath in our lungs. And if nothing else, to come and listen to that today, huh? Woo! Woo! That was some worship. Hey, if you weren't here Friday night, we had an hour of that. It was, it was just, it was, it, was, it was crazy here. It was awesome. So today we conclude a series called They Walked With God. And we've been looking at just normal, everyday lives, especially um, some particular lives that you wouldn't have probably heard much about until this series. At least I hadn't heard much about. And uh, so I, some of those names that we've looked at is uh, Abigail, Ananias, Isaiah, Mary, Martha. And then last week uh, it was uh, Jairus. And then today we're going to look at a guy by the name of Josiah. Can you say that? Josiah. Do you know anything about Josiah? Well, hopefully after today's message, you'll know and you'll want to even know more about his life. So we got a lot going on. I got about a five-hour sermon ready because, you know, I get the month of July off. So I have a lot to say today. I have a lot to say. But um, we're going to go after this and uh, see what God wants to do. Father in heaven, thank you so much. And we don't just lightly say that. We do say thank you so much. Um, because you have been so good, so good to us. And sometimes we just need to take a, a big, deep breath and reflect on that. To push the pause on life and just acknowledge that we may not have everything we want, but we certainly have everything we need and more. Help me, God, to connect through your Holy Spirit with your people, with my own heart and what I have uh, to learn from this young man's life today. God, may we be different as we leave here. Thank you. In Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. All right, so we're jumping right into it. We're going to go right to Second Chronicles chapter 34. Uh, if you don't know, the Bible's kind of broken up into two books. You got the Old Testament, you got the New Testament. And uh, we're going to be taking a look at our story today in the Old Testament. And I want to help you find Second Chronicles. So once you find First Chronicles, it's the next book. I told you I'd help you. I'll, I'll go further. It's on page 672 in my Bible, all right? So here's the reality. Um, we, we really do believe this is the Word of God. And if you don't have a physical copy of God's Word on your way out, we have a couple bookshelves. There's Bibles on there. Grab one. That's a gift from us to you. And we just ask that you would start reading it. And a good place to start when people ask is, uh, I think the book of John is a good book to read. Practical book would be the book of James. So we're in Second Chronicles chapter 34, and we're going to start with verse 1. Josiah was eight years old. Let's say that right there. Eight years old. Like, think about that. Some of you are really going to have to think back, you know, to what eight years old was for you. But eight years old is like a second grader today, all right? That's pretty young, isn't it? So Josiah was eight years old when he became what? King. That's like, wait, did, did we just read that right? Did we just turn over leadership to an eight-year-old? Well, I'm going to say something here, and, 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 and it's, it's just, just laugh 
It's not, well, maybe it is serious. Maybe we should learn something as a country after we learn about what Josiah did at eight years old. Maybe we should have a president that's eight years old, you know? <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat on that statement. That's just a, right there. Um, so this, this kid was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for how long? For 31 years, all right? So he did what was right. This is what's really amazing. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to see God and his father David. In his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of the bells were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. These he broke to pieces and scattered all over the graves of those who sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests of their altars and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem and the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon as for uh, Naphtali and, and, and the ruins around them. He tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to, to powder and cut pieces of all incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to school the next day. <laughs> then he went to what? He went to Jerusalem. And I just read that and I go, well, that pretty much makes me feel like I've led an insignificant life for 54 years, right? I mean, this kid's eight years old, and he just opened up a big can of you-know-what. You can fill in the blanks. I mean, he, he went to town, didn't he? So this is who we get to talk about today. So maybe you never even knew anything about uh, Josiah, and now you know a lot about this guy, and there's a lot more to learn, and we're going to learn some of it today, but uh, you, you go and, and study more. But before I get into kind of some of the lessons learned from his life, <laughs> that big, long life uh, that we know about so far, I want to give you a little bit of background that I think is helpful. Josiah is a Hebrew name, and it, it literally means uh, God supports and heals. Can you say that with me? God supports and heals. So that's, that's what his name means, and you're going to see through his story here today that uh, this plays out true in his life. Uh, he's the king of Judah, and, and, and again, uh, this is such a cliff, 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 cliff note version of the history of what's going on here. But you've got, you know, God's favorite people, you know, the Israelites. Uh, basically, there's 12 tribes. And at one point, the, the, the 12 tribes were divided into two kingdoms. And, and so here's a little map right there. And so you've got the top there, which is the northern section, which is called uh, the kingdom of Israel. And that's 10 tribes. And just a real quick synopsis of their uh, history. It's just the word bad bad. They were, they were bad. They were disobedient, rebellious from the very beginning, and they, they had all bad kings, no good kings. And then you've got the southern kingdom, and that's named Judah, and that's the, the other two tribes. And this is where Josiah is going to be the king. So that kind of catches you up a little bit. Now, their history was um, they, they started off really good, but then they had disobedience, and then they'd come back, and they were kind of cyclical, probably more like what we could relate to. Although looking around, we have some northern kind of people in here, just bad. No, 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 no. That was first service. Oh, wait, this is recorded. I mean, that's the, anyways, we'll just stop right there. So that gives you a little um, history there. But we want to fast forward uh, and uh, look 
and, and just there's some things that are important about uh, lineage, uh, about Josiah's lineage. So his dad is uh, Amon, uh, not a woman. That's funny. Ha ha. Ha ha. All right. I think I'm just going to leave this place for a month because you guys just aren't being very nice. All right. Uh, <laughs> Amon, and he's a king. Okay. And uh, his dad, which would be uh, Josiah's grandfather, is uh, Manasseh. And that might be a little bit more familiar name. Uh, he was not a good king. So, so bad, bad grandpa, bad dad. Okay, so that's his lineage. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's mine too. <laughs> Don't raise hands or anything. Um, my sons aren't in here. That's good. But, but, the, but the truth is, he does not come from a good place. Uh, obedience to God was not role model. Matter of fact, grandpa is the one that reintroduced uh, pagan worship and built all these statues and all these gods and had everyone worship, you know, all these just, just idols. And so that's grandpa. And then dad carried that on. Is this making sense? So, so he, he doesn't have a really good upbringing. He doesn't have good role models. Um, not the best of family trees when it comes to loving God. And, and that's where some of us could relate. You know, some of us are first-generation Christians in our family. You know, we're the first ones to ever say yes to Jesus. And, you know, praise God you're here, you know. And some of us, we just have a rich history of just, you know, one Christ-following home after another. And um, praise God for that. But, but with that, uh, as I was preparing this sermon, I, I just felt like I had to stop right there. And we had to pull out something that I think is just really important. And the Lord impressed on my heart that at least one person's going to need to hear this. And that's this. Please, please, please write this down or type it in your phone. Don't let your past define your future. Don't let your past define your future. Now, some of you are hearing that at 18 years old, and you've already walked through some really incredibly hard things. Some of you, uh, you know, you're, you're 92 years old and you've walked through. There's not an age on this, but what's really important about what I just said is don't let your past define your future. Amen? You know, there's many of us in this room that did not come from the greatest of families. And you go, well, that's a pretty bold statement, Pastor. Yeah, it is, but you know, I've been in ministry 35 years, and I've heard a lot of things. Now, please hear this. There are a lot of good families out there. Amen? Not everything's bad, okay? And just know that um, you come from, from that, just praise God for that. But part of the people that come from that, that's all you know, right? And then the people that come from a harder kind of a life, a harder lineage uh, without Christ in the family, um, I, what I've learned is that's, that's all they know or we know too, right? Now, here's, here's the common denominator. We only know what we know. Yes? Agree? And, and so that is really important to this whole idea. Don't let your past define your future. Maybe Christ wasn't or God uh, following or the Bible wasn't modeled to you in your home. Maybe making Jesus number one wasn't modeled to you. It was never seen or it, wasn't, it was never talked about. And that, that would make me sad, but let me again say this. Don't let your past define your future. Play victim, stay victim. 
We could sit there and play the fiddle of, oh, poor, woe is me, and I didn't have what this person had and this person had. And, and, you know, all I knew in my house was addiction. All I knew in my house was abuse. All I knew in my house was failure. All I knew in my house was anger. All I knew, and, and you know what? I say those things, and I don't say them casually. It breaks my heart. Like, you don't even know how much it breaks my heart. That, that's some of your stories. But here's something I learned a long time ago with helping a, a, a couple it's probably over 20 years ago. I remember it was a Friday night like it was yesterday, and my phone rang, and, and I stepped outside, and I, I remember standing right under the streetlight and, and listening to this lady um, crying, and she, she's just hysterical. And my husband and I got into it again, and I'm like, all right, where are you? She goes, I'm locked in my bathroom. And that was kind of weird for me. I never had heard that or even thought. I'm locked in my bathroom. I'm like, you're locked in your bathroom? Well, yeah, that's what happens. You know, we get mad at each other, and... And listen, I'm like, are the kids there? And they're like, she's like, yeah. And I think they were like 10 and 12, 8 and 10, something like that. I'm like, mm. And, and I said, well, like, like, this is, like, like, this happens? Oh, we slam doors and we scream. And then, yeah, and I get scared and I lock. And my heart was broken. And I said, I said, and this is normal. She goes, yeah, that's what, that's what my mom and dad did too. And that wasn't the time then, but we later talked and I just said, you know, that broke my heart, but I want to let you know that that might be your normal, but that's not normal. Did you catch that? It might be your normal. You know, you might be used to a dad or a mom, you know, drunk, passed out on the couch. You might be used to the yelling and screaming. You might be used to the isolation. You might be used to what the abuse, what, what, whatever those horrific things are. But I want to say this. That, that might be your normal, but that wouldn't be what God's desire is. Amen? Now, the reality is we're in a broken world, and we have sin, and we, all that kind of stuff goes on. And it breaks the heart of God, too. Don't you, don't you know that? But here's what Pastor Rob wants to say on behalf of God. Don't let your past define your future. You know, play victim, stay victim. And the truth is we could rise above that. And we could break the chain. And, and literally, I bring all that up because we're going to see Josiah. He, you know, I, Grandpa built all that stuff he destroyed. Did you figure that? Did you catch that? Grandpa spent a lifetime building all these statues, building all these altars, teaching all this stuff. And Dad carried that on. This was the mantle. Son, Josiah, here, now you take this on. And Josiah's like, uh-uh. So just because there was bad doesn't mean you have to continue that in your own life. Can I hear an amen to that? Does that give you hope, I pray? And you look at Josiah's life and go, yeah, you know? And, and I want to be careful because, you know, I could flippantly say things up here that might sound like I don't. I, I care a lot, and I haven't used some examples even up here because this is just real stuff. But as real as that pain is, so is the hope. The hope is even greater. Break the cycle. We can't, here, here's something I wrote down. We can't choose our parents, but we could choose our mentors. We can't choose our blood family, but we could choose our community. Does that make sense? And so I'm not pushing away bad family. I'm not, you know, just saying abandon it. I'm not, I'm not even giving opinions on that. I know boundaries need to happen. I do know that. 
But what I am saying is where we do have choice, use it widely, wisely, as opposed to continuing the unhealthy cycle. Or maybe following God was modeled in your home. Like if you look at it, Manasseh, his dad was Hezekiah. <laughs> Did you know that? And Hezekiah might not mean a whole lot to you, but he was a really good guy. He was a God-fearing man. So he had the healthy environment and he chose to be rebellious. And he created unhealthy, which was passed on then to his son. And then luckily his grandson said to that grandpa, you know, I don't know if he did that. Is this all making sense? So there's that, oh, poor as well as me, I didn't have health. But there's also, oh, I had health, but I rebelled against it. So there's all kinds of different sides of this. But don't let your past define your future. And I say that for you today, no matter how young or old you are, you may have messed up, jacked up, screwed up, done all the bad things. But you know what? That doesn't make you a bad person. And God's grace is sufficient for you. And why not start today? Second Chronicles 34, 2, he did what was right. Who did that? Josiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or left. Then look what he does at age 16. Second Chronicles 34, 3. In the eighth year of his reign, so if you do eight plus eight, you get 16. That's how Pastor Rob did it. Now, some of you are going to use common core math. You'll get there by the end of the sermon. But... Um, <laughs> Oh, so bad. Again, I'll hide for a month. So anyways, you got the eight plus eight. So he's 16 years old. Second Chronicles 34, three. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father. But I thought you said Ammon was his father. Yes, but remember, you could choose your mentors, not your parents. And so King David was someone that he had heard about. And King David was someone he wanted to model his life after. And so that's where that comes in. God, his father, David. In the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, and idols. So, so, so basically, he goes in there, opens up that can of you-know-what, and he destroys all the evil stuff, and he, he's right with the Lord. And, 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 and you look at it, you've got uh, age 8, he starts, and 16, this happens. And then you're going to see uh, a little bit down the road that he's going to do some more stuff, but he's still really young at 20 years old. So that leads me to our second application today, our second life lesson that we can learn. Are you ready? The first one is don't let your past define your future. The second is you're not too young. And I know we have a lot of junior hires and high schoolers in this service. And we had some elementary in the second one, but I know most of them are upstairs uh, in the amazing children's ministry. But I want to tell you something. This is really important. When I took over as lead pastor, not that Pastor Kirby didn't believe this. I definitely believe he believed it. But I, I say this all the time. Kids and teens are not the future of our church. They are the church today. Amen. So here's what's really cool. You know, even through the transition of having to find a new youth pastor, and I was the guy at the beginning of the month or the beginning of the year. Then we get uh, Nick, who's our new student director, who's done a phenomenal job. We actually had 16 high schoolers, 16 high schoolers and four leaders go down to a conference called CIY, Christ in Youth. And I think it was, I heard it was like 1,500 people, 1,500 students worshiping God in the morning, afternoon, and night. 
getting into God's word, doing all kinds of fun activities. My son happened to be one of them. Church, doesn't that do something good for your heart? They're sitting in here. Some of them are sitting in here. Some of them are sitting here. I'm telling you, I think that's amazing. We hear so many negative things about our young people. There are a lot of positive things about our young people that are happening today and today in our church. Amen? And some of you helping out with the donuts ministry, buying those donuts and eating them and putting money in there, that helped pay for those guys to go to that week. Amen? You're never too young. And so uh, it's Friday night. You thought this was awesome? I thought it was awesome. And our new guest that, that led today, oh my gosh. Like, just let me sit there and listen. Friday night, we had worship here. One hour of this. We had one hour of this. Don't miss worship nights. I, they're amazing. And so, so after the worship night, people are kind of cleaning up and they're walking around. And um, three, three little girls, uh, Pastor Rob, Pastor Rob. And so I was over there. I walk over, right over in this area. Pastor Rob, guess what we did this week? And I think one's 10. I think the others are, are, are 11. Okay, what did you do? You, you, you know, did you go swimming? You know, did you go to Hurricane Harbor? Did you go bake cookies? You know, what, what did you do? You know, we, we, decided, we decided we want to go tell people about Jesus. What? <laughs> I'm just going to be, I'm just giving you my real reactions, okay? I'm like, what? Like, I didn't say that out loud, but I'm like, do tell. And I thought, you know, you know, I, I just thought it would be a cute statement, right? And then one girl just took charge. And she's like, yeah, 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 we made these things, these cars, and, and, and we went to a park. And I'm like, what? So now I've got my foot up on the purple chair over there. And I'm just like leaning. I'm like, you, you went over to the park? Yeah. I said, what'd you do? Well, we said we were going to tell people about Jesus. Okay, so what'd you say? Like, we just said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Pastors learning about evangelism from 10 and 11-year-old girls, right? I'm like, oh, do tell. And I'm starting to take notes, right? And I'm like, so, 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 and I thought, oh, you know, they did it. I said, so how'd this go? And, and this is funny. This one girl particularly, yeah, she had all the stats. She's like, well, uh, seven of them. Yeah, seven of them were really nice. And I, I would just, do you know Jesus? And we talk, and some were just polite, and you know, some knew Jesus, this and that. And then, and then we asked him if we could pray for him. What? And she goes, yeah, we, we pray for, you know, a lot, most of the stuff was like relationship stuff and health stuff. Like, I, now I think I'm talking to a 52-year-old woman, you know, it's the most relational. Uh, and she goes, but well, one person had us pray for their car. <laughs> so we prayed for the car. I'm like, oh, okay. Then there was four. That, that, that probably weren't all that interested, but they were, they were nice about it. And then there was this one lady. She wasn't very nice. <laughs> you know, but they just, but here's the deal. We have at our church, and I happen to know they go to our, our children's ministry. I happen to know they actually go to our Christian school. But these kids on their, their, their summer break one day decided they wanted to go to the park and tell people about Jesus. Doesn't that get you fired up, church? Doesn't that get you excited, church? Our people, our kids are not too young to make a difference in this world. And I believe those three girls made a difference in those people's lives. And they're going to continue to do that. You're not too young. It reminds me of this story. I stood up here 
uh, gosh, it's almost been six years now. And you guys know this. I'm not going to get into the whole story. When we built the church, uh, it was during the recession, ran out of money. The whole upstairs was just a, a, it was just a shell. There was nothing up there but trash floor to ceiling for seven years. And I stood up here. God gave me a vision of just saying, we need to create a place for kids and teens. And I told you guys, found out it was going to cost a million dollars. I wasn't going to do another capital campaign. I said, you know, I found out, you know, where we could get a good chunk of change. And I said, we need to find, we need to, we need to raise $250,000 in cash. You guys remember that, right? And I brought the, the treasure chest. I told the stories. I said, we're going to do this in six weeks. We're not making commitments. We're not prolonging this thing. And I told you, I thought I was crazy, even as the words were coming out of my mouth. I definitely thought I was crazy the next day. And the six weeks later, when we were going to do this, I thought, I'm fired. That's how much faith I had. But there was a young man, his name is Riley Herget, who was six years old when I preached, and he heard that. And he went home that day, and he says, Mom, I want to help out. And uh, I verified all this stuff this week because, you know, my memory's not always great. And these are some pictures of Riley. He says, you remember Grandma gave me a $100 bill for my birthday? He told his mom, I want to give that. Can you set up a meeting with Pastor Rob? So I, I got that phone call. He comes in my office, and he's like oh, this little mature little thing, and, and he hands me $100, and that's for the upstairs. This was right at the very beginning of all this, right? And I just felt awful. I know I'm supposed to go, oh my gosh, but I'm like, I want to give him $500 back, right? <laughs> like a kid that does that? And it was just so affirming. Maybe that's what God, <laughs> I needed that, right? Just if, if, if a six-year-old got it, maybe everyone else will. Well, he, later, uh, maybe a week or two later, he decides $100 isn't enough. So he decides he's going to start crushing cans. And I think there was a, there's a picture right there. And he's got, you know, he's, his bags of cans and stuff. Well, he ends up telling his classmates, and his classmates start collecting cans. Then he tells his baseball team they start collecting cans. By the way, the word gets out to a secular baseball team, right? And all of a sudden, he thinks, all right, I'm going to get all these cans and, and realizes that i got to get more money. And so he goes to his dad, and his dad at that time had a solar company business. And he said, Dad, whatever I raise in cans, your company, will, will you match it? <laughs> Little negotiator, Yeah. And so, and so his dad said, yes, do you know that Riley, Riley raised $1,200 towards the upstairs? Church, you're never too young. And the impact that that cat had was far beyond $1,200. Riley enjoyed the upstairs and the children's ministry for many years. Riley's now in eighth grade, and Riley probably at this moment is up there. He runs the sound and the lights and the media for the children's ministry. Amen? Church, get fired up about that. That's exciting stuff. You see, we're never too young. Josiah wasn't too young. These three girls aren't too young. Riley's not too young. Just remember, your influence for the Lord can truly make a difference. And I see that happen all the time. At 20, he led out and destroyed all that had been built to honor and worship false gods. Instead, he wanted to honor and worship the one God. Amen. All that grandpa and dad had built, he blew it up. <laughs> well, I want to continue on and read the story. Second Chronicles 34, 8. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, if you're doing all the math, you're going to get to 26. To purify the land and the temple, he sent uh, Sathon, son of Azaliah, and Maseah, the ruler of the city. And, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord his God, 
the thing I want you to catch out of there, other than all the weird names, is he says it wasn't enough to destroy all that was bad. It was to now take time to build what is good. Did you catch that? Sometimes we'll destroy all that's bad in our life, but we forget there's another part to it, build what is good. Amen? And that's what he does. He says, you know what? We're gonna start building what is good. So he tore it down, but now it's time to build up at age 26. He opened up that can and he said, let's go again. And then you read 2 Chronicles 34, 14 through 19. While they were bringing out the money they had taken from the temple of the Lord, uh, Hilkiah, the high priest, found uh, the, the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. And then it goes on and on and on. And then you're gonna see that the secretary, the Saphon, in verse 16, took the book to the king and... Uh, and reported to him, your officials have done everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that has been in the temple of the Lord and is entrusted to the supervisors and workers. Then Sophon the secretary informed, listen to this, informed the king, Hilkiah uh, uh, the priest has given me a book. And Sophon read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the what? Of the law, he tore his robes. What you don't know here is amidst all all the rubble and the rebuilding of what is going to be good, they found a scroll. And you know what the scroll was? It's the book of Deuteronomy. If you look in your Bible, the book of Deuteronomy is there. It's one of the most powerful books, I believe, in the Old Testament, and it's quoted in the New Testament. I quote it all the time, one of the verses in Matthew 22. Let's see if this sounds familiar to you. What Josiah would have read one of the things he would have read in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. It didn't have verses and chapter headings back then. But he would have read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children's. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the long road and when you lie down, and when you get up. That's a, that's a mic drop right there, church. Did you catch that? And then let me just read one other thing. In Deuteronomy 6.10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities which you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive gardens you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Right there in the scroll it said, God is going to bless you with all these amazing, wonderful things. Don't forget it. And they found those words in the bottom of a bunch of trash because it got piled up on because false gods will do that to you. They'll put what is true in the garbage. They'll take it from the top of our hearts to the bottom of our lives. And isn't it cool that in building what was right, they found this scroll and they brought it to King Josiah. And King Josiah reads this and he repents and he tears his clothes and it rips his heart, his robe. And he says, we can't keep doing this. We got to get part of my leadership is, yes, get rid of the bad, but we got to bring back the good. We got to bring people back into the presence of God. The reason we eat, the reason we have these fruits and the reason we have these, this water and the reason we have all these beautiful homes is because of God, not ourselves. And I would fast forward to 2023 and say the same is true today. The same is true today. 
How many of us, we would look in our lives and in our homes and the word of God is buried in a pile of trash or the word of God is stored away somewhere in some cabinet or up on a bookshelf collecting dust. It's a coaster for the coffee table. It's a pet rock to keep things stationary. And it's time to dig it back up and dust it off. And it's time to say, Lord, you have created me. And I want the heart of David, a heart after God's own heart. And I want to do what's right. And that is true for each and every one of our lives. And it's true for each and every one of our families. And it's true for our country. And it's true for our world. And we could shake our fist and talk about how awful our government is in California or how awful it is in the United States and how we've turned a corner. And the truth is we have, but it's not time for the government to turn their lives around. It's time for the church to be the church. And it's time for Christians to stand up and to dust off the Bibles and bring the word of God back into our life and bring it into light and live it out. Are you with me? I mean, honestly, truth, that's, that's, that's the truth, church. It's the truth. We want to put it everywhere else except on our own self. And Josiah at this young age says, you know what? I got this. <laughs> like, this gets crazy. But God used it, amen? That brings me to another application. Commit to God's word. Take it off the bookshelf, dust it off, read it, live it. Deuteronomy is such a good book. And it really changed Josiah. And it took Josiah's leadership to a whole nother level. If you go to 2 Chronicles 34, 21, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in the book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with what is written in this book. That's good leadership, isn't it, church? Get rid of what is bad, start building what is good, and bringing back the word of God and calling people to follow it. In verse 31, the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, statutes, decrees with his heart and with his soul and to obey the word of the covenant written in this book. And if you go all the way to verse 33, Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territories belonging to the Israelites and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord. <laughs> the God of their ancestors. Leads me to the last life lesson, finish strong. I wanna, I wanna bring up a friend as we close out today's message. Sue Moinpour, if you could come up. She came up last service. And uh, I asked this of her this week. This is kind of a last minute thing, but I want you to be encouraged. Let's give it up for Sue. <laughs> Sue! So Sue, let's come up here. Okay. We're going to talk to our friends online, our friends right here. Sue, when did you give your life to Jesus Christ? December 1st, 2019. That's not very long ago, is it? So Sue, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish, huh? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I think finishing strong is the last point here, but... Sue, you, you'll find out why I have Sue up here, but Sue found out about West Valley Christian Church. How? 
Through pickleball. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Through what? <laughs> pickleball. Look it pickleball. up. Pickleball. <laughs> look it up. You'll be obsessed. We've got to start a pickleball <laughs> ministry here. And I, I learned about the church through my sister and brother, Kathy and Steve Tate, through pickleball. <laughs> um, it was 2018 when we met in the spring and played pickleball for a long time. And then the following late summer, um, I had some marriage difficulties, and then my father passed away, and I was looking for a spiritual guidance, and I found it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if you know, uh, Pastor Kirby, uh, who started the church and retired uh, a couple years ago, Pastor Kirby baptized you. Yes, he, he did, and he found his way into my husband and my heart and brought us to Christ, and it's been such a blessing. Amen. And, and, and your, your, your husband got baptized, and it was so awesome because I remember you guys when we had church out on the lawn out oh, there, and he the was best. always so, so kind. And then, and then I got that call where, you know, you guys had gone out to celebrate a birthday, and then mm-hmm. you found him um, later that evening. Yes. And you, uh, we, I met you over at ICU, and I'll never forget the doctor said that you're the one that saved his life, you know, giving him CPR, but then we had to make that decision, and and he went on to be with the Lord, but yes. you, um, you've stayed faithful. I have. And, uh, it's, it's been easy because God's been with me all the time. <laughs> do you catch that? you catch that? Oh. And then I did something crazy. <laughs> she did something crazy, and that's why she's up here today. Crazy. Uh, I got a tattoo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. When did you get this tattoo? About three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're never too young, and you're never too old. old. Soon I get discounts at Denny's. That's, yeah. But I wanted it to be a conversation piece. Um, I went to the tattoo artist. I found it was in the pamphlet probably two years ago, and then about a month ago, John did the same sermon with the little bitty uh, symbols like this. And those were way too small to put on. So I, I redrew them and added a little stuff of my own. I went to the tattoo artist, and if you've ever had a tattoo on your arm, they lay it out so it, people can see it if you have your arm down. But I wanted it to be a conversation starter to have people come and ask what it is and come by so I can explain it to you and so you could feel my heart and how much it means to me. So what are those circles? So the first circle on the bottom is self on the throne. Without Jesus in your life, you don't know him. And so your world's kind of all messy little things floating around there. The second symbol is you're still on the throne. Self is still on the throne, a little smaller. But Jesus, you're starting to learn about him. And the pieces of your life are coming together a little bit more. And the second one is you have taken Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are no longer on the throne. He is where he should be on the throne. And all the pieces come together as love, peace, and faith. Woo! So, so here's the deal. I know Pastor Kirby and his wife, wonderful wife, Carolyn. They watch the service every week because Pastor usually sends me a text. So I know he does. I'm going to tell you right now, Pastor Kirby's not hearing one thing after what just happened here. 
because Pastor Kirby would never have considered getting a tattoo in his life, but I bet you he's so fired up right now, he's trying to beg Carolyn right now that, that for his 75th birthday that he could get that. And, and, and you know, because, you know, Pastor, I, I, I've probably been at every restaurant in this valley with Glenn, mm-hmm. and he has invited somebody to church. It's usually the waiter or waitress. It's just part of who he is. Mm-hmm. And so Glenn, he's, I, I see this. Glenn's telling Carolyn, Carolyn, even when I pass from the earth, we could have an open casket, and I could just have my arm. <laughs> lean right there and there it is right there so so i think i think i think you're on to something i actually had someone in their 80s after service go can i get that tattoo too? i'm not promoting tattoos all right what i'm promoting is a woman that's life is changed by jesus christ and is willing to take a stand for him this is one of the boldest things that i've ever seen honestly it is one of the boldest things i've ever seen and i said sue do people actually ask questions he goes absolutely and who wouldn't want to stand next to this woman and hear what she has to say? <laughs> so you. let's give it up for Sue taking time and being willing to um, share. Is that not awesome? Let's get it louder for her, man. That's crazy. Sue, the evangelist, is going to go to the park with our three girls, and they're going to change the valley for Jesus Christ, just like Josiah did. I have so much more to say, but I'm just going to conclude with this. Don't let your past define your future. You're not too young. Commit to God's word. Be and finish strong. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for Josiah's life. And may we draw courage from it. And we may, may we draw courage from the three girls that I talked about. May we draw courage from Riley. May we draw courage from Sue. Lord, I know this. I don't know when you're coming, but we're one day closer. And I just pray that we at West Valley Christian Church here will continue to dive into your word, live it out, and make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org, or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions that you've always.